Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. God is for everybody. He's patient, not willing that any perish. So how is the world going to get that concept if Satan's constantly lying? You and I have to be speakers of truth. You're going to see that from God or David. David's going to say all positive things. He's going to say, Mephibosheth, this is not why I called you here. And he's going to blow Mephibosheth's mind, actually. If you've read the stories of the kings of Israel, you may have noticed that many times the new king would kill all the male members of the former king's family. This was done to eliminate competition. David, however, didn't do that. In fact, he had promised to be kind to Saul and Jonathan's descendants. Pastor Mark will be teaching about David's integrity in this matter. He'll also be illustrating how the picture of David and Mephibosheth is a picture of how God wants to treat the lost. They're scared of God's potential anger, while in reality, all God wants to do is to have them eat at his table. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in 2 Samuel chapter 9 as he continues his teaching on the life of David. Now, why would David want to show someone in the remaining family, if there's anybody left, kindness? Well, the reason was, number one, he made an oath to do that. But number two, he had time to think about what? God's grace and kindness to him. See, David had sinned and disappointed God many times. But God had been gracious to forgive him and treat him with kindness and grace when he didn't deserve it at all. Some of these things David did were like, I wouldn't forgive that turkey. But then we have to go look at our own life, don't we? And we realize that no, he didn't deserve to be forgiven, but either do you and I. So just think about this. God enabled David in chapter 8 in his army to be totally successful north, south, east, and west against the enemy. So I want to challenge you. David's going to show favor and grace because it's been shown to him. The old golden rule fits here. Proverbs 3.3 says this, Never let loyalty and kindness leave you. Tie them around your neck as a reminder. Write them deep within your heart. All through the Bible, we see the word grace. We sang it tonight. We see the word kindness. In fact, in Colossians 3.12, Paul says to the early church, clothe yourself, put on many things. One of those things, kindness. So I have more homework for you. The homework is simply this. 
to find a way to show kindness to someone before the weekend. And so that means you're going to look for somebody that doesn't deserve kindness, but you're going to say a kind word. You're going to do something nice. If you're driving Minton and Wickham, (laughs) my wife quite often says, that's only going to get you ahead three seconds. What are you worried about? So I want to challenge you in your marriage, in your home. Now, remember, kindness is not just an emotion, but it's love and action. Show some kindness. Now, verse 2. Well, David asked the question. Now, there was a servant of Saul's household named Ziba, and they called him to appear before David. And the king said to him, are you Ziba? He didn't have his name tag on. Your servant, he replied. And the king asked, is there no one still left in the house of Saul to whom I can show God, say the word with me, kindness? And Ziba answered the king, well, there is still a son of Jonathan. He is crippled in both feet. David asks a question, and God, through amazing circumstances, provides Ziba with the answer. Ziba had been a servant of the late King Saul, and he reported that there is a crippled son of Jonathan who was living in Lodibar on the east side of the Jordan River. You'll see that in a moment. Notice, he is crippled in both feet. Earlier on in the book of Second Samuel, we know that the story of Mephibosheth is a, it's a sad one. At the age of five, there was a very difficult time when his father and grandfather died in the battle. Because of that, that nurse envisioned probably the Philistines coming to just wipe out anybody else in that family of Saul. And so the nurse, while running away with Mephibosheth, ended up tripping somehow, dropped him, some kind of spinal injury. We don't really know what happened, but because there was not the kind of medical care you needed, Mephibosheth at that age of five had crippled feet. Now in our story, he's about 21 years old, in fact married and has a son of his own. So here's what we're going to do. It's going to be different. I want you to be Mephibosheth tonight. And that represents an unconverted person, a sinner, an unbeliever before they're saved. So you're going to be Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth. Just say it 74 times and twice you'll get it right. Mephibosheth. (laughs) So you're going to be the unbeliever. This is one of the great stories of the Bible. So you be that unbeliever that doesn't know God. I'm going to be David. And David in our story really represents God. So we have a picture of God in his interaction with sinners. So it's a great picture. It's one of the greatest pictures of grace in the Bible. So let's work on it together. And I think you'll be excited as we go through. Verse 4, where is he? The king asked. I already gave you the answer. Zeb answered, he's at the house of Makar, son of Emil, in Lodabar. Now, Lodabar was known as a barren place. No pasture, 
desolate, a destitute place. Nothing grew there. So what does that represent for the unbeliever tonight? Spiritually, that represents the place of every unbeliever, of every sinner. Ephesians 2 says they're dead in their trespasses and sins. Lodabar is a picture of empty, lonely, guilty, and afraid of death, crippled, enslaved by sin, and going nowhere. Notice that Mephibosheth was far from God. David. He was far away from David. He was crippled, and spiritually, that's a beautiful picture of the sinner. Far from God. Now, history tells us why he settled in that area. History tells us that according to an oriental custom of that day, a new king, which would have been David, normally would put to death all the contenders to the throne of the former dynasty. That would protect the new king and threat from the former royal family. We see that often. Thus, normally, according to that code of the day, David would have been justified in putting really to death any of the offspring of Saul and Jonathan. But remember, because of that covenant, David had promised not to do what normally would be done. But Mephibosheth doesn't know that. So he positions himself far away in a desolate place where nobody's really going to be looking for him. Nobody's even thinking of him. And of course, that's really what's happened. David's saying, is is there anybody left? He moved over there because he was afraid of David. Verse 5. So King David had him brought from Lodabar, from the house of Makar, son of Emil. One day, we don't know exactly how it worked, Mephibosheth heard this. And it was a knock at the door, and he was told that King David wanted to see him. David, God, sent a messenger to Mephibosheth to tell him that he was inviting him to come and talk with him. The next thing I want you to write, now remember, you're Mephibosheth. God always makes the first move. Love, kindness, and grace. Think about all the people in the Bible where God makes the first move. Think about yourself. When God made that move to you and your heart, a move to a a new start, a, a fresh beginning, a move to a person who needs grace and kindness, a move to a person who is dead, crippled, no answers to life. You remember Adam and Eve? When they sinned, they hid who made the first move, God. Adam, where are you? Adam was afraid, but God was going to do a good thing in Adam's life. Peter meets Jesus after he fails the Sea of Galilee. 
And he had already been restored. And when he knew, he said, it's the Lord. He got out of the boat and ran to Jesus. Jesus made that first move. And I want you to be reminded, keep your finger right there. Let's go back to Exodus chapter 3. Do you remember Moses and his story? There's so many of these stories in the Bible. Quickly, we just look at it. Exodus chapter 3, second book of the Bible. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. Now remember, Moses had failed 40 years before. He felt he was out of the radar of God. God had never forgotten him. Maybe you're here and think, I don't think God even knows who I am. I don't think God's even in. I'm not on the radar screen of God. No, you're wrong. And it says that he led the flock to the far side of the desert and came to Oreb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. And Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, (laughs) it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I'll go over and see this strange sight why the bush does not burn up. You see, that day for Moses started like every other day in the last 40 years. But at the end of the day, Moses, the children of Israel, you and I would never be the same. The bush that Moses saw was just like a thousand others he'd seen over 40 years, but this was different. It was on fire and it didn't burn up. The bush was the wake-up call of grace and kindness to Moses. God made the first move. He went to where Moses was. Look at verse 4. And when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Mephibosheth will soon learn that God is a personal God. He knows our name. He hasn't forgotten us. He hasn't forgotten you. God knows exactly where to find Moses, and God knew exactly where to find Mephibosheth. Do you remember the day that God found you? Where you were? You never expected grace and kindness. You never expected the new start. But that's exactly what God did. So Mephibosheth leaves that place. He doesn't know what to expect. He can't believe that David's calling him. But you're going to see that he has one thing in mind. Look at verse 6. Let's go back to 2 Samuel, if you will. Chapter 9, verse 6. And when Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David, he bowed down to pay him honor. And David said, Mephibosheth, your servant, he replied. Now, why did Mephibosheth bow down? Because he was afraid out of his mind. Was he now going to be simply executed? Was this David's last slice to make sure there was nobody left that could be a threat to him? 
You see, he had been like a sinner, like those who are living in a barren land, hidden away from God. Now, I thought about this a lot. So many people are hiding from God because they fear God is out to condemn them. They have the wrong concept of God. If you've tried to invite people to church for a long period of time, you've heard this response. Well, I I couldn't go to church because if I go in the building, the the walls or the roof will what? Fall down. You've heard it, have you? And it's not the same person you've heard it from. It's hundreds of people have used that excuse. Who put that excuse in their mind? Satan. Satan. What I try to tell those people sometimes is, well, I'll give you a hard hat just in case. <laughs> Joke with them a little bit. But see, it isn't really funny because what is their concept of God? That God is angry? He's a dangerous person to be around? One of the other excuses, they, why would a loving God send people to hell? They believe he sends people to hell. God never sent one person to hell. People choose themselves. By the way, hell wasn't made for people. It was made for devil and the demons. So one of the things you and I have to do with our lifestyle, because Satan lies all the time, we have to be reminded in our heart and as we share that this next statement that I want you to write, that God is good, he's patient, and he's for us. See, the world does not understand that. They don't think God's good. They think he's unfair. They definitely don't think he's patient. Well, what are you talking to me about God? He just wants to send me to hell right now. No, no, he's not against you. He's for you. God is for everybody. He's patient, not willing that any perish. So how is the world going to get that concept if Satan's constantly lying? You and I have to be speakers of truth. You're going to see that from God or David. David's going to say all positive things. He's going to say, Mephibosheth, this is not why I called you here. And he's going to blow Mephibosheth's mind, actually. So I just want to encourage you. And sometimes, trying to think how to say it. Sometimes we can almost aid Satan because we become condemning. Do you know what I mean? Be careful. God isn't condemning. John 3.17, he didn't come into the world to condemn the world. We have to be careful. That doesn't mean we stand for sin, but we have to love the sinner. And sometimes we, we mix that up. I want you to keep your finger there quickly. Let's turn it back to Psalm 103 just for a moment. If you lean to be a little legalistic and negative, it's good for you to remind how you got here tonight. You got here by kindness and grace just like I did. You didn't get here because God like, wow, I got to pick that one. That's a great one. I can't let that one go. That didn't happen to any of us here. You might think so. It did not. God didn't say, well, I can't do, man, I can't do life without that guy over there. Balmer, get that guy. That guy's tremendous. Not a chance. Psalm 103. Guess who wrote this? David. How'd you know that? The Bible told you. 
Praise the Lord, O my soul. All my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your sins, heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Amen. You see, here David retells the goodness of God. That's what you and I need to do when we're telling our personal testimony. When we're talking about God and how great he is, compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, filled with love. Now, back to 2 Samuel chapter 9, verse 7. So Mephibosheth is fearful. He thinks it may be over for him. How do I know that Mephibosheth is fearful? Because of the way David responds. Verse 7. Don't be afraid, David said to him, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather Saul, and you will always eat at my table. My verse 7, if you like to write things, just write this. Expect (laughs) the unexpected. I mean, the farthest thing in the mind of Mephibosheth is what David just said. The absolute farthest thing is right there. Do you remember another story? I know you remember it. In the New Testament... When the Jewish religious leaders, who were not full of kindness and grace, brought a woman caught in the very act of adultery to Jesus. We know it was a setup. The man wasn't there. Takes two to make an act. She was there and expected to be what? Stoned. It was over. In today's teaching, Pastor Mark spoke about King David's search for Saul and Jonathan's survivors. Scripture makes it clear that this was really important to David and that he left no stone unturned in his search for Saul's heirs. You were taught how the largesse of King David parallels the desire of God to bless you and your life. Just be willing to receive what he's offering. You don't have to wait to hear another message from Lessons for Living. 
Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com to access our archive of messages on various topics and books of the Bible. Subscribe to our podcast as well to receive updated teachings as soon as they're made available. We're so glad you joined us today, and we'd love to connect with you. Feel free to contact us with your questions and prayer requests at 866-779-3441. That's 866-779-3441. Next time, Pastor Mark will continue teaching on the life of David. You'll hear about David's desire to do the right thing by Saul and Jonathan and how this is an earthly example of your spiritual need and God's desire to bless you. You'll learn that in the same way that David restored Saul's property to his grandson, God wants to restore to you what was taken away as a result of the fall. We wish we had more time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark continues teaching through this series called The Life of David. That's next time on Lessons for Living. In a hurting world, a new hope he is given.